our memory verse for this week brings us to the end of 1 Corinthians 13. It is verse 13, so let's say this together. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. All right, if our ushers would come at this time, we will receive our tithes and offering. While we are receiving the offering here in our service, let me share a great need, your prayers. Please pray with us that God would use and bless the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Well, today is Veterans Day in our country. Uh, in May, we have set aside a day called Memorial Day for those uh, who served in our military that gave the ultimate sacrifice in, in dying for their country to defend us for our freedom. Then here in November, we have set aside a day called Veterans Day and uh, to honor those yet living that has served in our military. And uh, we want to say thank you for that. Now, I was... I'm kind of at a quandary what I should say because I didn't go ahead and look at this website. Uh, on on uh, when I opened up uh, towards uh, one of the browsers, it had this little thing. Instead of saying thank you to a vet, you should be saying this. I didn't get a chance to go on and read it, and I thought, well, all these years they've been telling us, tell a vet thanks. <laughs> And I still think that's appropriate. I still look for opportunities to say thank you to our veterans. Uh, you know, the life of a soldier is not about ease, comfort, or safety. Now, some of them that have never had to go overseas, it may be relatively easy, but that's not what it's about. A soldier is about hardship, fighting, and yes, dying. The job of a soldier quite frankly and very simply put, when it comes to battle, is to kill or be killed. Quite simply, that's what it is to be a soldier. That's what it takes to win wars. While many are told to enlist so they can get government-paid on-the-job training or free college education, many have discovered that their perks were not so bright and not so cheery. Uh, whether it be uh, the loss of a limb or PTSD, that there's a lot of sacrifice even for the veterans who survive and come home and try to engage in society once again. And, and uh, those that have served in, in battle uh, arenas and combat theater, um, they, they have lived through something that the rest of us really do not understand. And uh, it takes our love, our patience, and our appreciation for them. And so this morning, uh, I would like to recognize our veterans. And so uh, I'll mention the branch of military. And if you would stand and remain standing until I've gone through all five branches, uh, if you served in the United States Army, would you stand, please? Those who served in the United States Army. All right. Those who served in the United States Navy. All right. If you served in the Marine Corps. Do we have any Marine Corps vets here today? 
How about the Coast Guard? None are in the Coast Guard. And then the United States Air Force. All right. Uh, do we have any? There have been the military reserves such as Air Reserve, uh, uh, Army Reserves, any others that have served in the Reserve? Okay. Uh, If you'll remain standing, and I need a couple of ushers, please. We lost one of our veterans this last year, Larry Miller. And once you receive your gift, you may be seated. Uh, Larry Miller uh, had been a part of our church family for many, many years, and uh, he, too, was a veteran. He had served in the support uh, arena for those that were in combat duty, and uh, I don't know how many times I heard him say that, you know, I, I just felt like my service was not of that great a value compared to those that, that served in the combat duty. But, you know, those in combat duty needed everything that men like Larry brought to the field and prepared and provided, and, and no matter where you served, it was an important and a valuable part uh, of our military. And uh, we have here this morning a gift for each of our veterans in, in honor and memory of Larry Miller, who has passed this last year. During It was this last March, and I believe he would like you to have this as a gift today in honor of Veterans Day. And so again, we say thank you. Let me share some quotes from notable veterans. George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without the Bible. General Robert E. Lee said, The Bible is a book in comparison with all other books in my eyes are of minor importance, and in which in all my perplexities and distresses, the Bible has never failed to give me light and strength. And then General Douglas MacArthur said, Believe me, sir, never a night goes by, be I ever so tired, but I read the Word of God before I go to bed. You see, the Bible records a great deal about soldiers and about battles and battlegrounds, both literally and spiritually. It talks about soldiers such as Joshua, Saul, David, Joab, Gideon and beyond. It talks about some of the battles like with the Philistines, the Midianites, the Canaanites, Assyria, Babylon. Victories, defeats, surviving victors, and the fatalities of war. Then it speaks a great deal figuratively about our spiritual enemies, our spiritual battles, and being a Christian soldier. And that brings us to my text this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Brother Garner will read verses 1 through 4, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. And if you would stand while he comes to read our text today. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 to 4. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, 
that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's bow in prayer, please. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be here uh, this day. We thank you for this beautiful day, uh, this Lord's Day. Uh, we thank you for the veterans who have defended our country, who we honor today. We pray your blessing upon them. And we ask, Lord, that you just help us to be ever grateful for the freedom and the blessings that you have given us in this country. We pray, Lord, your blessing on our pastor as he preaches your word today. Pray that you'll help us to have uh, open and receptive hearts to your word. And uh, we thank you once again that we can meet freely in this place and do what we do here today. We pray that we would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. Again, we have the freedom to come together today as we do because of our veterans. And again, we say thank you for that. Well, I want to look at some things about being a good soldier for Jesus Christ. I'm not here to talk about uh, the literal wars with guns and swords and tanks and, and uh, fighter jets. But what does it mean to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ? And let us begin with the enlistment of a soldier. Uh, you don't just walk in and say, I'm a soldier. You don't just walk to the battlefield and say, hey, I'm a soldier. There is either the conscription or the enlistment. And here we want to talk about the enlistment uh, of a soldier into the army of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means to be a good soldier. Now, we're not talking about the draft. God does not force you to be a Christian. He does not force you to believe. Uh, the Bible teaches us about the free will. Uh, I remember when our country had the draft. Uh, and in 1973, they terminated the draft. That was the year I graduated from high school. And my lottery number for the draft was 13. And so I probably would have gone, and it was at the uh, latter part of the Vietnam, but uh, they uh, terminated the draft. I considered uh, enlisting into the Marine Corps. My dad uh, discouraged me. He served in the military, in the Army, and uh, he wanted me to stay home on the ranch and help with the ranch. So I opted for that at the time. But uh, when it comes to enlisting, as a soldier, it is truly by volunteer. Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 through 13 gives us the way to enlist. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." And what a wonderful testimony that is. We are redeemed by the blood of God, by the blood of Christ, and His provision to be saved. And so to be in God's army, to be a soldier, a good soldier, well, to start with to be a soldier, we must be born again. 
That is our enlistment. Then we get our commissioning as to where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul talked about an apostle by the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you know what? The Lord calls each of us as believers, some as pastors, some as evangelists, some as missionaries. But every believer to be a good soldier of the cross. Everyone has an opportunity and a responsibility to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I could not imagine somebody going into the military and saying, well, yeah, I'm in the military, but I'm not going to serve the military. I'm not going to show up for boot camp. Those of you, yeah, some of you, you know where that would get you and what would happen. But, you know, there's a lot of Christians like that. Uh, they, they profess Christ, but yet they don't want to show up. Uh, but God has a plan and an opportunity and a purpose for every believer to serve. And as it says in Ephesians chapter 6, our battle is not with flesh and blood. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I think this is important to understand. As a spiritual battle, Our battle is not to force people to become Christians. You know, there are religions around the world, Islam, Hinduism, in in some places. Catholicism used to be this way. And I had a conversation before church with some questions being asked about this, where they would use the sword, the spear, whatever weaponry, the military, the whole might and the power of the government to force people to join their religion. And if they did not, they were executed and, uh, or tortured until they consented. When we talk about a spiritual battle, our battle is not with flesh and blood. We're not using weapons of, of this world to, to do the work of Christ. And, and in no way, shape, or form are we to go around conquering and, com- and compelling people to become Christians. Our work as a soldier of Christ is to evangelize the lost and let them know the truth of the gospel and let them make a choice of their own free will knowing the truth. That is our great work. The Bible is very clear that every man, woman, and child has a free will and can make that choice. Our job is to give them the gospel. Their responsibility is to receive or reject. Now, I'm not talking about Christians avoiding to take up arms to defend our constitutional republic. 
I'm not talking that when it becomes necessary civilly as, as uh, uh, individuals and citizens of our country, if it becomes necessary to take arms and to defend this country, I believe we as Christians ought to be the best soldiers our military ever has. You go back to the Revolutionary War, you will find that there was many pastors who took up arms and led the men of their church to go and fight for the freedom and the independence that we have today. So I'm not talking about being a pacifist in those type of things. But what I am talking about is in the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare, we're not here to take up arms to force people to become Christians or forcing any nation to be But certainly it is our passion that every man, woman, and child would know the gospel and would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Then there is the instructions. Do you know there's always the teaching for every soldier? They have to be taught. They have to go through the instructions. And Paul says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. In chapter 1 and verse 13, he said, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. You'll find in chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, it says that the word of God is profitable for instruction, correction, uh, and teaches us how to live righteously and how to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Right here, the Word of God is the number one essential manual for being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You need to study it. You need to be under good biblical preaching so that you cannot become vulnerable to the false things that are going out there, religiously speaking. One of the things that I mentioned in a conversation before we started our service because they were dealing with another particular religion and the problems and how it was man-centered. One of the things that I said that I often quote from the pulpit here is when I'm preaching, I'll ask my church family, you search the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true or not. I want our church family to be students of the Word of God. So when something false is said, you'll recognize it in a moment. You'll be equipped. When you find something online or in a letter or in a book that is unbiblical, you'll recognize it quickly because I want you to be a student of God's manual for you and me to be a good soldier of the cross, and that is the Word of God. And then in verse 3, it talks about the strength and fortitude of a soldier. The strength and fortitude of a soldier. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, we perpetually live in the territory of the enemy and the spiritual combat zone. I don't care where you go around the world. There's no demilitarized zone, spiritually speaking. I've spoken to several of our veterans. And of the times that they spent overseas, and particularly in combat zones, 
and how wonderful it was to get home and away from the combat area. I'm not sure they always slept easy because of their memories and their habits and reflexes. But it was comforting to know that they were in a demilitarized zone. Folks, we won't hit that till we're with the Lord Jesus Christ. And something that should be about as close as it can be here in this world is when you come to church. Where, where you can escape the things of the world, the, the ways of the world, and you can be encouraged and have the peace that God gives uh, as far as just in the fellowship and the relationships within the church family. But by and large, you know, sometimes the devil will try to slide someone in there to, to cause casualties as well. But by and large, we live perpetually in the combat zone. And do you know the truth? Christ said that this is what we would have to face. He did not make false promises. He did not say to his followers, I'll give you a life of ease. He, it isn't Christ that said, just get saved and everything will be okay in life. <laughs> well, you can be right with God and that's okay. But do you know you're still going to live in this world. We are not of the world, but we are in the world. And someday he will take us out of the world. But while we're in the world, we've got to deal with the issues of this world and the challenges. Here's what the Lord did tell us in Luke 21, 17. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. I think the demographic of people who, who our culture is beginning to hate probably second First, it may very well be the Jewish people. It's sad to say, but, but the hostilities against the Jewish people ha has really come to a rise in America. The number two may very well be Christians. They hate what the Bible stands for, and they hate it when we stand for what the Bible stands for because it exposes their sin. It exposes what they're doing. And you know what? Don't find that unusual. We have grown up in America when, when its history and culture was basically Judeo-Christianity. And where there was a basic uh, appreciation for Christians. Where there was a respect for the church and a respect for pastors. That is evaporating more and more every year and the hostility to the Christian faith is growing in 2 Timothy 3.12 the Lord told us yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution we have not had to encounter it like some in real hostile countries but it is increasing it is becoming increasingly difficult for Christian young people to take their faith into the public school. It is becoming increasingly difficult for Christians to take and live and practice their faith in the corporate world, in the work world, and even in places within the military. There are challenges with that. And 
all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I didn't say everybody that supposedly claims to be a Christian. Because if you live like, the, if you call yourself a Christian, live like the world, talk like the world, dance like the world, sing like the world, you're no threat to them. They don't care. But if you're going to live godly, then you will be a threat to them in their eyes. Not that we intend to be a threat. We simply intend to be God's messenger with the good news. Christ never lied about the Christian life. Now, there have been preachers and Christians who have. Try to make it all about uh, positive thinking and make you feel good and inspirational talking. Well, I'm not here to make you feel bad. (laughs) And you can have real peace and joy, which is good, when you have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you ignore biblical truth and just tell people uh, everything's okay and just think positive and think your way through it, uh, a lot of times they do that to increase their attendance and most importantly, their offerings. That's their motivation. Christ never lied to us about what it would be like to be a Christian. I find it interesting, and, and you know, even though I've faced some, some difficulties over the years as a Christian, I've never faced what persecuted Christians face around the world. You go into a lot of the Middle East countries, communist countries, places like that. In one communist country, if you are found with portions of the Word of God, you are either jailed or executed. I've never had to live in in that type of a culture. I have not had to live in what it was like in the first century where, where Christians were arrested, beaten, and told not to speak for the name of Christ. But we find in Acts 5.41, when they were beaten for speaking in the name of Christ, they left that beating and that incarceration saying, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. I'm not talking about having a martyr complex. That would be pathetic. But I am talking about being strong enough to where you could rejoice that even if it costs you to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll not take time to read it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and mark these verses 23 through 31, you'll find the hardships that he faced. Shipwreck, imprisonment, stoning, whippings. That's 40 lashes save one. That would just literally tear the hide off your back and your body. Snake bite, uh, riots, the list goes on. So many times I feel like we live in a pussyfoot culture of Christianity. Somebody gets a spiritual hangnail and they think God doesn't love them and they're in a world of hurt. (laughs) And then they go AWOL from their service of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will say this. The average Muslim probably has 10 times the dedication to their mystic Allah 
than the average Christian has to the one true God. It really ought to be the other way around. Oh, I'm not saying we ought to go out and look for trouble. I'm not saying that I would like to have to live in that. I just want to say, let's not be pansies (laughs) when it comes to our Christian faith. Even in our culture, let us learn to graciously, with a right spirit, to stand strong and true for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be willing to endure whatever affliction or hardship that may come our way and then rejoice that we've been counted worthy for his name's sake. Now, again, I'm not talking about being mean-spirited. I'm not talking about going around creating problems. I'm talking simply about loving the Lord your God with all your heart and wanting to serve him with all of your might and with all of your strength. And if adversity comes from it, we don't complain about it. We're still ready and willing to stand for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We talked about the uh, enlistment, the instruction, the strength. Next, Paul speaks of the integrity of a Christian soldier. He says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, talking about Christ, who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If I understand correctly, in that first statement, Paul is drawing an analogy from what most of the Roman soldiers would experience. And that is they would not marry until they had served their term of duty in the military so that married life and home life would not entangle them from the affairs or the, or the issues of being a good soldier. Now, Certainly, he's not telling us that we cannot marry as Christians. That's wrong. That's not what he's saying. But what he's using is an analogy that it's easy to let the affairs of this life become so entangled that we lose our focus of the purpose why we are here as Christians and believers. Many Christians have become so entangled with the things of this world, that they find them in such debt that they're having to work all of the time and they're hamstrung from from being able to serve God. And he's saying, don't let yourself get entangled. First John talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and, and, and all of this that is in the world. And, and you know, so many times uh, people, believers, get caught up in what we're commanded not to do in Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is so easy to to want to have everything and do everything and be everything like the people of this world. Do you know what? That's the best they've got. And they've lost, uh, they don't even have what you and I as believers have. 
It's not wrong to have things materially speaking. It's not wrong to do some things, some things material speaking. But when they distract your focus and commitment to serving the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've become entangled away from what God has called us to be and to do. The death of churches across America is the product of Christian entanglement with the worldly affairs. Let me give you just one illustration. Less than 50 years ago, Sunday was always the Lord's Day. I can remember when stores didn't even open up on Sundays. But the Lord's Day is now the weekend. Growing up farming and ranching, we had several hundred head of cattle. But in all of the cattle that we took care of, it never kept us out. I shouldn't say never. There was times when there was calving issues, but only one would stay home to take care of it. But almost never would it keep us out of the house of the Lord. And almost always we were early to the house of the Lord. You see, that didn't have to stop us from doing the things of the Lord. But today, you drive by these sports fields, and they are absolutely packed with kids and vehicles on Sunday morning. And quite frankly, I think we would be appalled at the percentage of those present there that claim to be Christians. They can't say God's still first in their life. Well, they may say, well, we go Saturday night. Oh, so the Lord takes second place to go Saturday night instead of leaving Sunday as the Lord's Day where He is first place on Sunday. There's a lot of things that would not be happening today on Sundays. If Christians would be good soldiers of the cross and they would take a stand and say, we will not participate. We won't be there. If they started from childhood up, and if Christian, those who call themselves Christian parents would take a stand, Sunday could still be the Lord's day. But he doesn't take first place at the first of the week in so many lives today. And then we wonder why the younger generation is leaving church. And along with that, we wonder why churches are closing their doors every week. It is because the Lord is not first place and they have become entangled with the affairs of this world. Paul has identified the qualities of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He has been redeemed by the blood of Christ, was enlisted by grace through faith. He recognizes his divine calling for life in Jesus Christ. He has been taught the word of God. He is ready, equipped, and willing to endure hardships for the name of Christ. He rejects the entanglement of this world so he can more perfectly serve the Lord. And most importantly, a good soldier is not a good soldier because he is forced to be one, but because he wants to be. 
if you're trying to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ because you think you've been told to and you have to and you're just enduring, you're not really a good soldier. A good soldier of the cross is a believer that loves the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might, with all their strength, and they want to be. They have a heart to defend truth and righteousness with a gracious spirit. They have a heart to serve God and and they have a heart to endure hardness and thank God that they were counted worthy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, let me tell you about our spiritual commander-in-chief and that is Jesus Christ. He too knows what it means to suffer personally for victory. He left heaven, God the Son, of all of the glories, comforts of being an eternal God. Was tempted with the entanglements of this world, rejected of men, tortured, and then laid down his life on Calvary's tree. He was buried and three days later rose again, according to scriptures, from the dead. He has never lied. He cannot lie. He has never misled or attempted to deceive his followers. He never used underhand techniques to try to uh, solicit disciples or followers. And it's a pathetic thing if anybody uses that to bring them to church. He will never put you into a worthless battle or an unnecessary conflict. I think one of the challenges we see in the world arena is so many of these wars may be motivated by money and and, uh, control and other things that really didn't need to be fought. If we knew why some of these battles were fought, we, we would be so mortified and disgusted. But do you know what? Our Lord and Savior, our Commander-in-Chief, He will never put us into a worthless battle or an unnecessary conflict. He has never lost a battle and never will lose this war against Satan. He will give every soldier of Christ everything he or she needs to fight the good fight, spiritually speaking. One of the things that... uh, I follow some of the history, uh, American history, and and some of the things out west and some of the battles. And, And I read how many times soldiers were equipped with second rate firearms. And in all probability, it goes beyond the West and, and many of our soldiers that may have fought, whether it be World War II and, and the Korean War, the Vietnam War, etc. There were probably at least some, if not many, that were given second-rate artillery or guns to work with. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ will never give you anything second-rate to fight a spiritual battle with. It'll never be insufficient. He'll give us everything we need. He has never given us cause to doubt or mistrust his leadership. Your labor and fighting as a good soldier will never be in vain. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 through 58. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Again, 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. He is our victory. He is our Lord. As I was thinking about the spiritual battle, and not only the spiritual battle, but the battles that rage around the world, whether it be in the Middle East, whether it be in Europe, or wherever it may be, many say, can, can we not just all coexist? Can't we just have world peace? So many people want to have peace and live in peace. I think most soldiers would rather just live in peace and not have to fight. Whether it be within the American culture, internationally, or spiritually. I hate to tell you this, but this is the truth. Peace will never happen until righteousness prevails everywhere. Because the only time there is perfect peace is when there's perfect righteousness. It is on any level of unrighteousness that creates conflict and wars. When you have a society of people that live unrighteously, there is going to be multitudes of conflicts within a society. When you have governing leadership that is living unrighteously and corruptly, you're going to have wars and conflicts. The peace that we really would like will not happen until the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, comes as the ultimate conqueror at the end of the seven-year tribulation. He rules in perfect righteousness, and then perfect peace will prevail. So until that time, there certainly is no reason we should ever question our spiritual commander in chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying we should question him then, but as we wait till then, let us not question the leadership of our Lord. Two questions. Are you a soldier of Jesus Christ? There's only one means of enlistment, and that is by grace through faith. When there is a heart of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are, my next question would be, are you a good soldier of Jesus Christ as described in this passage? Father, we come to you this morning and and what a passage of challenge and encouragement. This you wrote to young Timothy as a young pastor and, and growing. And Father, it it also applies to every one of us as believers as to understand the spiritual battle and have a heart and a desire to be faithful to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, challenge our hearts. Convict us where needed. Grow us, I pray. And use us 
to proclaim the good news to every man, woman, and child with great opportunity. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Once more, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are living by faith, living by faith in Jesus above.
shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That saved a wretch like me Tejibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit TeheboTeaClub.com. Tehebo is spelled T like Tom, A-H-E-E-B like boy, O, then continue with the word T and then the word club. The complete website is TeheboTeaClub.com or call us at 818-610-8088, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-610-8088, TeheboTeaClub.com. A lot of radio stations can boast about having two, three, even 500,000 listeners. But what they don't tell you is that their average listener only listens for four minutes. And if they're listening to music, they're constantly changing the channel. Same old boring commentary. Or as soon as a commercial starts playing, they change the station. Here at 1360 KHNC, our listeners listen longer, a lot longer. We have some of the longest continuous listener minutes in the industry. That means our listeners don't change the dial as soon as a commercial starts playing because they don't want to miss one second of their favorite programs. Advertise with AM 1360 KHNC and have your message heard. Call us at 970-587-5003. We have the best rates in Colorado. So call us at 970-587-5003 or 1360KHNC.com. Hi, this is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. 
Off-Road Automotive offers a wide range of used automobiles for all of your off-road and on-road needs. From classic Jeep CJ7s to high-end sporty Corvettes and everyday commuters, they have a vehicle for you. Bad credit or no credit, no problem. Their professional finance team has you covered. Give them a visit at 1392 Denver Avenue in Fort Lupton or give them a call at 303-502-3230. Yes, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Let us help. Listen to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Saturdays at 11, right here on AM 1360. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business. 